everybody. I am back. Mike Brancatelli here. Mike Adelic. But you know that. You know what you clicked on. Why? Why even? I don't even need to do these intros anymore. I should just get right into it, right? What's the point? What's the point? Well, maybe there's some new people. If there's new people, hello, welcome. Thank you for joining and checking out the show, right? There's always new people. Uh, but I am back, and the new people, you're probably wondering, what do you mean you're back? Where did you go? Well, I took a break from recording about a month ago. I made an announcement just saying I needed a break. I needed to just have some time off, and I dumped a bunch of episodes out at once, and then I just kind of chilled for a little while. And then some people were asking me, what's the deal with coronavirus? What do you think? What's your... Hey, we want to know what Mike Brancatelli's take is on this, you know, and I, I'm like, Jesus Christ, really? Uh, I mean, uh, I don't, you know, <laughs> but I gave it my best. I gave it my best. I, I did some research. I have some opinions. I have some thoughts. I have some feelings and I shared them. So I came back with an episode about the real virus, the virus of the mind, the virus of the media, the virus of fear, the virus of the crazy civilization that we've created that actually gives birth to these kinds of pandemics and these viruses, the kinds of things that happen in this world, the kinds of, you know, uh, the results, if you will, of the kind of world that we've constructed, you know, and, but this is where we are. This is what's going on. And then I, you know, really what I'm concerned about is the the response and the actions being taken and where's this going to go and how long are we all going to be, you know, living inside of our homes, you know, forever and ever, you know, what is, what, what, what is going to happen here? So, well, it'll be interesting to, to play out, but I did love that I got to do this podcast and record with author Michelle Jenikian, who wrote the book, Your Psilocybin Mushroom Companion. Such a pleasure to just take a break from the pandemic and the virus and all this crap and actually just talk mushrooms with Michelle. Such a pleasure, such a joy, such a great conversation. So easy, so uh, familiar, great, really just a, a wonderful conversation. It was fun. It was funny, entertaining. Uh, you guys will see. You'll, you'll like it. Michelle's great. Uh, fantastic. And I feel like I could have just kept talking to her, you know, uh, we'll have her on again. You know, she's great. She's wonderful. So she, uh, she uh, wrote this book and uh, you should get it. Everybody should get it. If you're, <clears throat> if you're interested in mushrooms, uh, get the book. If you are experienced with mushrooms, still get the book. Uh, it's really kind of a, uh, an all encompassing psilocybin mushroom guidebook. It is the an informative, easy-to-use guide to understanding magic mushrooms, okay? It, it sheds light on the benefits, the misconceptions of mushrooms, of psilocybin mushrooms, and uh, the information that's in the book is really uh, robust and rich. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, like, if you are experienced with taking psilocybin mushrooms and you're like, oh, I already know everything that's in this book, it's still, there's some great stories in there. And also you can get it um, and just put it on your bookshelf so that when people come to your house and you're having like a, you know, dinner party or you have friends over, then they look at your bookshelf and they're like, oh, what kind of person is this? Let me see what they have here. And they're like, oh, you're still a subbing mushroom companion. I wonder what this is. And oh, that's interesting. And you're like, oh yeah, you want to borrow it? And they're like, yeah, sure. And then they borrow it. And then they, you know, months go by and you're like, where's my 
my book and you're and they're like oh yeah i still haven't gotten to it yet and you're like okay well can you can you get to it then because i want my book back and you know but you don't really say it like that you say it nice like oh okay yeah sure yeah yeah take your time whatever when you borrow a book read the fucking book that you borrowed from the person that you borrowed it from nobody does that people borrow books they're like oh yeah that's interesting i want to borrow that book and then they borrow it and they just i don't know use it as a coffee coaster they just sit on it like and then and then months go by and then you and then and then months go by and then you forget about it and then it's their book now and now they're lending it out to other people people are coming over and they're like oh that's an interesting book and they're like oh yeah yeah actually yeah kind of i i yeah. and then they'll say things like yeah it was good i uh, i skimmed through it <laughs> that's like a that's a way to like bullshit that you that you read something you're like yeah i skimmed it I got the gist. No, you didn't. You didn't do anything. You opened maybe the first page or the last page. You read the back cover. And now you're lending my book out that I lent you to someone else. Anyway, you know, maybe you take them to small claims court. But anyway, the point is, it's a great book. It's a great book to have. It's a great informative book to give to people, to educate people. It's a great book to gift to people. It's a great looking book. It just looks great. So get it, put it on your bookshelf, read it, use it. Everyone, every mushroom person should have it there. All right, Michelle, I want, uh, I don't know, 10% commission. That's, that's pretty fair. We, We can do that. That was a good pitch. That was a good sales pitch. But no, I really mean it. Michelle's wonderful. This is a great conversation. And uh, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it real soon. I guess, yeah, I just want to say, after that announcement episode that I made where I said I was taking a break, I mean, I looked at the stats. It looks like I lost like a thousand listeners. (laughs) What the hell? I don't know. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know. Sorry that I'm a human being that I needed like a little bit of time off. I mean, I'm not the, just this like content producing machine, but maybe I will be now with the with the pandemic. Now, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to leave. I'm just going to be singing and dancing like, you know, Jimmy Fallon in here every night doing a doing a Mikeadelic show. That guy really just annoys the hell out of me. I don't I, you know, I don't I don't mind like Jimmy Kimmel, I don't really mind him. Jimmy Fallon is just like, you know, you look at, I don't well, have TV or watch TV, but every so often I'll just kind of like pop in and see what some of these people are doing. And like, it's like, hey man, it's like, uh, oh, Jimmy Fallon here. Yeah, it's the, uh, the uh, coronavirus is uh, it's pretty scary. Yeah, hey, you know, uh, looks like, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Corona stocks are down, but, uh, you know, uh, Dos Equis are up. Oh man, it's crazy, right? Oh, wow, it's cool. Oh shit, Jimmy Fallon, yeah, oh, making jokes about, coronavirus because you know comedy you know late night you gotta we're the people that we're the kind of people that uh you know people turn to you know in tough times you know it's uh, it's people like jimmy found like me yeah oh man wow it's wild it's crazy well you know (laughs) it's like they're just so lame i don't know there's is is there even an audience there they just have like uh like a laugh track automatic laugh just it's jimmy fallon just standing up doing doing these, oh, wow, oh, man, that's, that's wild, yeah, oh, man, Jimmy Fallon, yeah, I'm gonna have, uh, oh, man, the coronavirus is pretty crazy, right, oh, man, it's a tough time right now, yeah, oh, uh, yeah, we're gonna have to uh, switch my beer, <laughs> you know what I mean, oh, man, it's crazy, um, <laughs> wow, yeah, <laughs> and there's just, like, no audience, it's just a laugh track, they just push a button, 
Oh man, oh yeah. My first guest tonight is Bernie Sanders. Oh man, yeah, Bernie Sanders, yeah. He's a big fan of the show. He uh, you know, he always uh watches it when he uh you know wakes up in the middle of the night to uh, take a pee. <laughs> oh man, because he's old, you know. <laughs> oh man, it's crazy. Oh, Jimmy Fallon getting you through these tough times with uh comedians. <laughs> he just seems so fake. Like, I mean he is. Like to be the 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 whole like talk show thing is just weird. It's so weird. Oh, so tell me, uh yeah, what where did you uh what did you do and uh where did you how are you getting through these uh these times around? All right, we gotta get to the commercial, but uh we'll be right back with uh we got uh uh Sam Smith in the house and he's gonna sing, you know, we got uh Lady Gaga and Sam Smith and Ed Sheeran. Yeah, man, they're uh they're, they've all come together to uh you know, we are the world, you know, get through this coronavirus, you know, that, that's what they're going to do. I'm waiting on that. There's going to be like a, we are the world, you know, uh, uh, like pop stars all coming together to like sing like a coronavirus song, you know? Oh man. Cringe. Anyway. Um, yeah, please. Um, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I, you know, I, 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 I guess I'm gonna, I'll do a little like groveling and begging right now. I really need your help. If you like this show, please help support it in any way that you can, especially right now. This is a pretty tough time. I'm not going to get into some, you know, personal details, but some financial issues are going on for a lot of people. And, um, you know, I'm going to be ramping up production, maybe doing a couple shows a week, maybe doing some YouTube live stream stuff. I'm back on social media as well. But I want to, I want to really get more awesome content going and uh, more consistent. And um, yeah, I mean, if you're a fan, if you like the show, I, I really, I need your help. I need your support. It's just me. I'm an independent individual content creator, if you will. Um, so go to my website, mikebrank.com. You'll see a link to Patreon there. You'll also see a PayPal link if you want to make a one-time donation. You don't want to do the monthly thing. But if you do, you can also go to patreon.com slash mikebrank, B-R-A-N-C, my website, mikebrank.com. If you don't have any fake paper Federal Reserve promise notes uh, left or you're tight with cash like I am, I get it. Uh, don't worry about it. It's not, you know, do what you can. If you if you like the show, if you like what I'm doing, if you like the guests, if you like the conversation, if you like the ranting, if you like the 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 micadelic, you know, I've been I've been doing the show now for four years, almost four years, coming up on four years, you know, for free, right? I mean, it's just I think that you know, there's I don't know, there's like services now like Luminary and all these kinds of things. Like I've got Hemp Bombs, by the way, as a sponsor. So, you know, I don't know, go use them. Whatever they they were like one of the first ones to come. They're pretty good. Check them out. Maybe you'll like them. I don't know. They have some good stuff. I like the gummies, tincture. They have stuff for dogs. They have freeze cream. Go to hempbombs.com. You get fifteen percent off when you put in the code Mike fifteen. But uh, yeah, maybe get some some other sponsors that I really, really like. I'm really something that I use every day that I love, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, this is, you know, it's a, it's a hard game here. We're all kind of figuring out as we go. I just know that I love doing this. I want to get better at it. I want to do it more. I want to be I want it to be bigger, grander. I had a lot of live events that were coming up. I was doing some storytelling events. I was doing some mind jams. Really fucking cool. Loving the mind jam. Uh, can't wait for the Corona to be gone so I can get out and do more mind jams in, in, uh, in the live setting. I mean, 
um, it it's just it 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 makes me feel almost like I'm back on stage doing stand up, and it, it combines like all the elements of 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 dialogue and discourse and communication that I just love so much. And everybody seemed to really like them. It was such great experiences. I can't wait to bring those back. And I wanted to do more live podcasts. It's so crazy. Thank you, universe, for whatever your your weird play that you're doing. But uh, it's like, man, just when I was getting out of my my social isolation, my hibernation, I, shit, I was I was depressed and social distancing distancing before I even know what's knew what social distancing was. So, and now it's like the spring is coming. It's March. I feel like, oh wow, I'm like finally, I'm doing a lot of. Um, I'm doing a lot of, uh, you know, like live stuff and getting out there and now the pandemic and got to stay indoors. So anyway, it's just my pitch, my spiel, my plea. Please help support me as as best you can, as much as you can. I, I really appreciate every little action that you can take, whether it's just leaving a rating or a review, you know, sharing it with some friends, telling some people about it, whatever you can do. If you can donate a dollar on Patreon. I mean, it, you know, if everyone that listened, if if every single person that listened to this show went on to Patreon and donated one dollar, I would be in such a better position. I'd be a little bit more calm. I wouldn't have to sh- really struggle so much and take these breaks and figure things out. And um, anyway, it's just uh, you know, if you can, if you feel called to do it, if you feel like I'm annoying the shit out of you right now and you hate me and you're like, what is this shit? Can we get to the podcast? I'm sorry. I mean, this is what happened. This is what happens when you're just a guy with a microphone <laughs> and you're not like, you know, NPR or Gimlet Media or whatever. So, you know, it's like a catch 22. How do you grow when you don't have the resources to grow? Well, I'm trying to get the resources to, so I can grow. And the show has grown, you know, steadily over the years. But I really, I feel, you know, many people have written to me saying this show deserves to be big. And I believe that. I do believe that. I love doing this. And I, lo- I love talking to people. I love having fun. I want to make it bigger, better, brighter. And I want to take Jimmy Fallon out. And I want to be the Mikeadelic, psychedelic talk show, tonight show, uh, during the pandemic. All right. Well, thank you guys. I I really appreciate it. Let's get into this conversation. It's a wonderful conversation with my new best friend, Michelle Janicki, and author of Your Psilocybin Mushroom Companion. Without further ado, here it is. Psychedelics are illegal, not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Voice of perception. Information is power, but we have to seize, see the opportunity, the opportunity, the opportunity.
thank you so much for having me. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, because uh, we're in we're in Corona world now, so this is pretty much the only way that we're all going to interact with each other is through screens. You know. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we were supposed to be doing this live together, but here we are <laughs> in our offices alone. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I'm I'm actually I'm, I'm grateful that we're we're getting a chance to do this because all the talk has been about this coronavirus. So I'd I'd love to like shift gears and talk about something else i know yeah i'm gonna try i'm really gonna try really hard <laughs> i have i have confidence i have faith yeah i think we're gonna we're gonna do a really good job so so you you i i know of you because you wrote a wonderful little book a little maybe i could call it a guidebook is that right like yeah 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 your psilocybin mushroom companion an informative easy to use guide to understanding magic mushrooms from tips and trips to microdosing and psychedelic therapy. I mean, that, that's, that's just awesome. It's basically just like, here's everything that you need to know. So first off, it's wonderful. It really is everything that you need to know. Thank you for putting that together. And, um, and then I also know that you write for Playboy, Double Blind, and uh, I was recently hanging out with Joe Moore. He said you did a little writing for them at Psychedelics Today. So yeah, Welcome. thank you. Welcome <laughs> thank to Mikeadelic. Awesome. Yeah. That's such a nice introduction. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe you can fill fill me in a little bit more. I can get to know you a little bit more. The audience can get to know you a little bit more. Where how did this all come about for you? What what how did you get into to writing and and to being a journalist? Like where where did this interest spark? And then second question about psychedelics, but I'll, 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 I'll do one question at a time. Yeah. Well, I, I always wanted to be a writer. I didn't really know how that would work out. Uh, I always joked that I'd love to tell like my teenage self, like what happens because I don't know. I was <laughs> just, uh, you know, always been really curious about psychedelics and things like cannabis. And so the, they really did come together I honestly got my start writing about cannabis. Um, so like four years ago or more, um, I got on the cannabis beat and I started doing um, some reporting about legalization and then more like health benefits. I'm really into like these explainer sciencey type pieces that like explain how CBD can help arthritis and this kind of thing. And, you know, I'd always been interested in other plant medicine, substances, entheogens, like whatever you want to call them. And so when opportunities started coming up, like, oh, do you want to write about ketamine infusions and all this stuff? It was like, absolutely. Like, yeah, this is totally cool. And so uh, just kind of took the skills that I was developing as a writer in the cannabis space and applying them now. There's just more interest in other stuff. Like I just happened kind of to be at the right place at the right time, but I've always had a big passion for all these things. And my whole thing is like I really want to destigmatize all these different substances. Cannabis was an easy place to start. Uh, and now like mushrooms is the next step. And it's really just another step. Like I love mushrooms and cannabis. They're like my, my homies. But, <laughs> you know, there's a lot more work to do. And I'm really honored that I can help put these other messages out there, educate people on you know, different benefits, different uses, and now like safe use and all this kind of harm reduction info. It's it's fun. It's cool. I love it. And I love writing and um, I'm really lucky I get to do it all as my job every day. It's great. 
Yeah, it's very cool and very important too. I think oftentimes, you know, I had this thought the other day about how sometimes you don't realize the the world that you're in because it's kind of a little bit of a bubble, you know, and how much other people don't know and that the experience that I've had and you tell a great story in the opening of your book and I, like I've been there, you know, like 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 doing doing things that we really shouldn't be doing, but thankfully we we made it out of of, of that, you know. So was uh, was that the first psychedelic experience that you had was with mushrooms? Is that is that right? Yeah, that summer I was like seventeen, and I had a lot of first experiences. Um, also, like around the same time, tried salvia for the first time, which is kind of crazy because it's a really intense plant medicine. But, you know, this is like 2004 or something. This was legal in New Jersey where I was at. Way easier to get than like weed or alcohol. And we were just stupid teenagers like experimenting with everything. It wasn't just substances. You know, I was experimenting with relationships and like life and books and so many things. And and psychedelics were a big part of that for me. But yeah, my first mushroom trip, I do write about it a little in the intro. I was an idiot. I had no idea. And that's why I wanted to write this book was to, so people don't have like really stupid first mushroom trips and then like never touch it again. Cause they're like, Oh, that was crazy and dangerous or like whatever. Like it can be really kind of not easy, but it doesn't have to be so, it doesn't have to be dangerous at all. It's actually like one of the safest things you can do to expand your consciousness and, just giving people all the tools they need so that they can do this on their own. They don't need, they don't need anything except like a lot of free time, some mushrooms, and just like ways to ground and center themselves. You know, if you can self-soothe naturally, then you can probably do mushrooms. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I just think that, you know, it's like the it's the education is so important, right? I mean, it's just like if you have education, if you just know. You know, I mean, the D.A.R.E. program and that whole the scare tactic and that's that stuff that we grew up during um, and were exposed to really wasn't helpful like at all. And then it left people like you and me and others to their our own devices to experiment on our own. Some people, um, you know, get get away with it like we did, you know, like luckily. And some people don't. They get hurt or they do something stupid or, you know, they get in trouble or they get arrested or God forbid they die or something like that. And. You know, so it's just so important. I mean, like the education piece is like it's everything. So thank you for like, you know, be going there, doing that, coming back, and bringing something back to the, to share with the with the community to to enlighten people, if you will, on on the you know cost benefit analysis of the, of these things. I mean, I did so many stupid things. You know, like I oftentimes the way that I talk about cannabis and psychedelics now is completely different than when I was in high school and and uh, what what part of New Jersey did you grow up in by the way? I'm from North Jersey, Sussex County, Spark. Oh, okay. New Jersey, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, I grew up right on the border of uh Bergen County. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So we would go to like, you know, we'd go over there sometimes, but um <laughs> but yeah, it, it was, it was just, uh, we were, I, I was just shoving whatever I could get into my face and just doing, you know, it wasn't this intentional, respectful thing. I didn't know anything about it. You know, uh, 
you know, it, that was it. We thought, well, let's not, let's try not to do too much ecstasy and LSD because I don't want to put too many holes in my brain. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you crack your okay. neck, like then yeah. you start tripping again, or like all this weird stuff that I still have to like force myself out of these old urban legends and like try to reach yeah. people, or like, it's crazy. Yeah, the. Right. Uh, Ice cream scoops of your brain, right? That was MDMA. It takes ice cream scoops out of your brain. Yeah, that's not right. true, kids. <laughs> no, not at all. Like, um, then the other one was uh, someone told me if you've taken LSD more than seven times, you're considered legally insane. <laughs> like at like 19, I was like, yeah, finally legally insane. <laughs> no, I think back then too, like you know, when you're a kid, everything is so new and like mind expanding. I think I was like looking for answers in the wrong place in a way. Like I think that there can be some kind of like there is definitely safe psychedelic use for maybe older teens or something. I don't know. Maybe I won't get too deep into it not to be too controversial, but maybe some kind of initiation ceremonies when you graduate high school or something. You know, there could be some really powerful ways for like adults to introduce psychedelics to teens in like a safe ceremonial way. But back then I was kind of like, I mean, I was not just reckless, but I was also like looking for like what my life would be like with freedom, right? Because I was like stuck at home. You needed a car to drive everywhere in New Jersey. And I was just like so bored and everything was like what the adults in my life wanted. And so like, I think in psychedelics, I was like looking for like, what was freedom? And I think that was like the wrong place to look, but mm. I definitely found something. <laughs> uh, yeah. But now I yeah, just what, wanna... what, what, what do you think? What do you think you found? I mean, I found a whole culture, right? Like I got really into like all the literature, the beats, and like uh, I've been rereading the electric Kool-Aid acid test because that book was like so important to me when I was like 18, 19 years old. And it's funny because like all this stuff that I'm like into again now, I was introduced to back then. And uh, it's just, I've kind of been like revisiting a lot of that because then in, in the course of like the 12 years that have spanned since then, like I did take a big break from psychedelics and, um, and, but not from the culture really. Uh, it's, I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, just trying to like, it's just so interesting. Um, these things that I think so many teens, like whether or not they're using substances, like these kinds of books, like, and this kind of culture, it's like, like punk and indie music and reading on the road and all this stuff. And now I like meet all these adults, you know, we're like in our thirties and forties and we were all like that same kind of teen. And now we're all like in these, the psychedelic cannabis movement. And it's just really interesting. I don't know where I'm going with this. But. No, yeah, no, it, it, it's, I'm glad that you, I'm really glad that you brought this up because it, it really is about the culture and like the ethos and the, the values, the, the morals, like the, the, the kind of uh, respect that's, that's just sort of there among people who kind of get it and are on the same page, you know? And, um, and that's really, really important to me. Like you brought up, responsible, safe use among maybe younger uh, teen people. And I believe that we really need that to usher in responsible, wise adults, you know, who aren't just like, you know, uh, big babies running around, you know, what, what are the rites of passage that we have now? You turn 21, you could have a beer. I mean, kids are already abusing alcohol at, a, you know, like, I, I mean, like, 
that that was my experience. You know, I was, I was 16 years old and I was drink trying to drink 12 beers when I went out to parties and, you know, threw a couple in the woods and lied to my friends so I could be cool. You know, like it was just this 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 resistance or this pressure of like conformity children need to be controlled and you you can't you're not allowed to do certain things until you get to certain ages it's very it's dumb you know if i was to say it's very dumb it's dumb it doesn't show wisdom you know cuz i think that everyone's different right like even grouping kids together by by age like some kids are more mature than other kids and and so it's um i be, i believe that that's a big that's a big big thing you know if we can get like ritual ceremony and like initiation rites of passage we could we could really make a lot of changes and and you know with psychedelics that's a big initiation uh, a proper psychedelic ceremony and uh, you know that that you can face, you know, your, your fears and your mortality and whatever it is that you don't get that with beer, you know, <laughs> you don't get that with alcohol, but that's what we currently have in our world. So thank you for going there so I could go there. And now I'm excited <laughs> to see where you go with that. Right. Like, I think that's an interesting thing about mortality. Cause what is it that like young people don't understand when they're being so reckless and they're binge drinking and they're drunk driving or high driving or whatever. It's that like, you have no concept of your own mortality. I did it. I still am learning and I'm like 31, but it's like, I think that that could really help. And like also binge drinking, like if you're a teenager, yeah, throwing beers in the woods to show off to your friends that you can like drink 12 before you even go out, something I can totally relate to. I used to get like so drunk before I would go out at like midnight. It's like crazy. Free game, like, yeah. I'm like asleep at like 10 now. But like, yeah, I think that you have like no concept of your own mortality. And like, I don't know, could psychedelics teach teenagers that? Maybe. I don't know. It's interesting. I think it's a lesson I learned. And then I had to like hang up the phone for a few years. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah. maybe you hung up. A... <laughs> you, uh, go ahead. I just think maybe that is a was a valuable lesson, even though it was a hard one. <laughs> so what what led to the hanging up of the uh, the phone, so to speak? Yeah, I just, I think I went in a little too often when I was younger. Like uh, I was doing LSD like every weekend for like the summer before I went to college and that wasn't safe use either. I really enjoyed that space. I felt like, like really like myself there and it was really cool and empowering, but you know, I just, I kind of lost track of how to do the real world too. And, uh, uh, had to, you know, just take some some time and space. It didn't mean I couldn't touch it ever again. I just needed to get on a track that I could do both. <laughs> you know, well, that was that's great awareness to have when you were in, in college or before you were going to college. You said I was in college. I mean, thanks, but I like supplemented with other stuff. So don't like compliment me yet. But I appreciate that. <laughs> But, okay, uh, right. yeah. <laughs> you know, it took a long time. I'm I'm only now or in the past like five years, like, you know, really learning like how you can be a really responsible drug user. Like I can use substances sometimes, plant medicines, whatever, and they're not all plants. And 
I can still go to work and get all my stuff done and pay my taxes and love my parents. And like, you know, like, uh, and I think that's the new dare that we need. It's just so hard to tell people that because some people's lines are so much harder to draw with like addiction issues and overuse. And, and, um, it's something that I want to address more in my work is like, how do we teach people to just like draw their own lines and how do we teach safe use? Cause it is going to be different for everyone. It can be triggering for some people when you start talking about it. And then I feel bad. And, uh, cause not everyone's like me, like not everyone or is like this, this, like, I'm, I don't think I have like addiction stuff. So like I can do this. It's like, okay. I was just writing an article on, um, it's not out yet, so I don't want to talk too much about it, but uh, people who use psychedelics who are like in active re- addiction recovery because it's like a really tricky line to navigate, but people are learning, and I think that we need to teach these same skills that we're teaching the people with more intense addiction issues to everyone because if we can all learn to like modify ourselves or like um, – What's the word? You know, not go overboard. Uh, oh, yeah. Using like, moderation. In moderation. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I'm going. I mean, the world's, I mean, not the world, but just this whole thing could be just easier to explain to people. And that's when destigmatization and legalization and decriminalization, all those things can happen once we have this, this education on how do we do this? well <laughs> it's tricky yes. it's a really right. tricky place i'm always like in between a rock and a hard place when i'm trying to explain to people what i do because it's like not everyone gets it but the people who do uh like you guys and all these like amazing podcasts and the magazines i've been working for and trying to get this information out there it's such an exciting time and i hope it just keeps moving forward and we're shifting the culture i feel like a lot already in the past five years so i'm excited yeah. to be part of it for sure <laughs> Yeah, and I'm excited that there's like level-headed, reasonable people out there that can get a message to pe- to people who might not be in or hip to psychedelics or cannabis or anything like that, you know. So like Michael Pollan with the with his book like that came out, right? And I think your guide is like really good too because it's like a, it's a, it's it's approachable. You know, you can say to somebody like, "Hey, you know, I, I know you were asking me about this, like maybe check this out and maybe they'll say, you know, or whatever, but it's at least it's, it's approachable. It's palatable. It's digestible. It's not. And I got no problem with like woo woo and crazy. I, I love, I love talking about that kind of stuff. It's fascinating to me. You know, I'll, I'll get into a trip report about how I talked to, you know, this ancient entity at the end of time and was showing me the Akashic record like that. That's cool. But Certain people just aren't, you know, I mean, obviously they're not ready for that yet. So that's why we have like the the mainstream kind of, you know, the Rick Doblin with the suit on and, you know, do the PTSD studies and that's all really, really, really good stuff. And so I just think that it's the, you know, communicating to people in this language and that's what's actually helping advance things a little bit. Um, but, but yeah, at the end of the day, I think that it's, that it's also like some people just aren't going to get it because like you said, they're going to get triggered because something it's going to bring something up in them. That's really, you know, it creates a lot of intense emotions. Someone that they knew maybe died of a drug overdose or someone, 
you know, um, they look at their town and they see the, this heroin epidemic problem or opioid, you know, I mean, which is serious, which is real. And that stirs up a lot of emotions in people and they become resistant to any idea of drugs or any idea of, I don't care if it's plant medicine or not, you know, rigid, you know, and then some of those people are lawmakers, you know, unfortunately. So it's true. And I think growing up in New Jersey, like we get that, like, I just, I'm always getting texts and stuff, not always, but recently, like, you know, another person I went to high school died, another, like, I just keep getting, like, uh, and and I think that when my high school, uh, you know, classmates see what I'm doing with my life, they're like, oh, you know, Michelle's promoting everyone to drugs and drugs are like killing us all. And it's like, no, I'm trying to show you that there's like other ways we don't have to uh, not only like other ways to use substances, but like other ways to deal with your emotions, like heroin numbs your pain. If your pain's really bad, like that might be what you need for a moment. But like, have you tried, you know, releasing to that pain or some of this more psychonautic stuff? Like, have you tried like taking a mushroom or an MDA journey just at home with like a trip sitter and like just, just, just seeing where that pain takes you instead of like trying to numb it all the time. Or I don't know. Yeah. It's like, but how are you going to tell someone that? Yeah. Who keeps losing people to incarceration or to drug overdoses, but I don't know. There's definitely a, people are also at the same time really open to it. So it's like this weird, sometimes I think people are going to be totally like resistant and they're so open to it. So you just got to keep having those conversations, I guess. Keep uh, recommending my book to people. That's the yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. I will because, and I meet a lot of people when I go to psychedelic events, Oftentimes, the people that come up to me uh, after the event or, or whatever, you know, it's it's older people, and they're like, "Yeah, I, you know, I heard about this, and you know, I, I've never done any drugs before, but you know, um, I read Michael Pollan's book, and you know, I found it interesting, and you know, I, I, my, you know, I, I've been suffering from depression, or you know, my wife, or my son, or my nephew, or whatever, and they have these stories, and you know, yeah, I mean, just the more resources that we have that we could say, oh, okay, yeah, you're interested in mushrooms, like, take a look at this, like, you, there's everything that you know, you need, need to know, it's going to be in here, you know, take a look at it. And then just, yeah, just talking to people about it, like, openly and honestly, and really, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of this stuff, when we're talking about the the fear, the triggering, the emotional response to the drugs, it's been so laid upon us with the drug war and the news media and the government. And, 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 and just this, this, this hardcore conditioning that people have. So it's this like automatic response, drugs, bad, you know, but, but really there's just a lot of people in pain, you know, it's like a lot of people are suffering and they're in pain and they're just looking for something. So obviously, right. Like it's like, Hey, alcohol and prescription pills. Those are, those are the good ones, you know, tobacco, you know, that kind of stuff. It's the, these are the good ones. These are sort of, you know, kind of dang, still dangerous. We still don't know a lot about them. I mean, shit, even Mike, Michael Pollan, like when he came out, you know, the book, his book's been great. It's been, everything's been great that he's been doing. But he, after the initiative passed in Denver, he came out, he wrote this article like, whoa, slow down, you know, not too fast here. And I'm just like, hey, man, come on. Like what, does someone have like, you know, did the CIA like put a gun to your head or something and say, hey, Pollan, don't talk too much now, you know, to slow your roll. But uh, I understand he's in a he's in a position of of great power and authority, you know, so that he has to kind of keep things a little tame, uh, I, I suppose. But really, what we need is 
proper, truthful, honest, non-biased education, right? I hope. Yeah, I know. That was such a disappointing op-ed that he wrote. And I always like, you know, because he was so open about his own experiences in the book, it was like, why is it okay for you to have them and not everyone else? So that's kind of like a big part of my journey in my book is really trying to just give people the agency to like make their own decisions and do this all on their own. Cause I also like can get a bit annoyed by all the stories that are like, Oh, mushrooms uh, can cure all your problems. I've heard you talk about this on the podcast with other people. And it's like so silly. It's like, that's not what we're saying either. But I think, you know, I'm part of the media and part of the problem is that, we get assignments as reporters to like write these feature stories and it's like psilocybin for addiction, like find a source that's like a great example of someone cured, talk to a doctor, da, da, da. And we do this thing, we write these stories and they're good for the movement in a way, but I think that they confuse the readers that like this stuff is a one-time fix, cure-all, easy-peasy, like whatever. And I really tried in the book and in my writing to like highlight both sides of the experience. Like it can be really positive. I have really positive mushroom trips sometimes and they're beautiful and they give me strength and it can be harder and it can be like, like, yeah, mushrooms can help treatment resistant depression. But sometimes if I take a low dose, if I'm feeling really depressed, like it can kind of like amplify my suicidal ideation instead of like transcend it. And it's really dark and hard. And I, it's still like valuable. I can see stuff, but man, do I cry like so many tissues and just like, I don't know. So I just try to tell more types of stories with this stuff because the positive stories are great. And that's maybe how we'll change the culture. But I think as the culture is changing and more people are trying mushrooms or other types of psychedelics, like and even just cannabis, like we have to keep the door open to like all the stories because I think that, you know, psychedelics are really can be hard and they can be fun, but they can be just, it's, I don't know, it, they're weird. They're hard to navigate. They're confusing. And so I just try to make that clear in the book and in other articles that like, don't feel bad about yourself. if like, your PTSD isn't cured from a mushroom trip or like whatever it is, like, or if you're having these challenging experiences or you haven't totally changed your mind, like it's okay. Like just not even like stick through it. Just like be true to you. What feels right. If like continuing on this path doesn't feel right, you don't have to. And also like, um, you know, that's not how it works. Like it's actually like a lot more subtle. It's a lot more like thinking, like, like thinking about yourself and the things you want to change when you're not on the medicine. And like, how do you make these little day-to-day changes? I tried to explain that in my chapter on integration and it's just been, it was a big responsibility to (laughs) write the whole book because it, it was actually a lot of, yeah, it was really, last year was a really tough year for me because I just, I I just kept getting so afraid that people would get the wrong message and like, 
or I keep hearing all these new stereotypes where it's like, if I just take eight grams of mushrooms, everything's going to be fine. And I wanted to be like, slow down. Don't start there. Like you could take eight grams of mushrooms one day, but I think if you're just getting started, let's see what two grams feels like. Let's just like, and really just trying to teach people to take this slow. This is like a lifelong journey. This is not a quick fix. Um, it's hard to tell a culture that is so used mm-hmm. to just going to the doctor and getting a prescription or going to the liquor store and that's going to change things. And it might for a night or a few months. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing, but I just want people to be safe and do what feels right. And that's what the book's for. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, Michelle. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, no, you're so right. I mean, so many good things that there that you said, like, yeah, like, I think I even saw an article in Rolling Stone a few years ago, like the miracle mushroom cure, like psychedelics, the new miracle drugs. Like, you know, and I, it, it I, even, um, you know, the other day I'll see people in the psychedelic space that have like public, you know, publications and websites and stuff talking about how mushrooms are going to replace all pharmaceuticals and things are going to, you know, like I know all what you're this- talking about. <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> um well I'll, I'll i'll call him out paul austin on the third wave like i i i mean i i don't agree with a lot of the things that he says and you know i'll have him on the podcast and we'll we'll, we'll debate we could talk i like him we've hung out we've met i think he's a good guy but i i disagree with his like approach and with his uh his uh the things that he's saying and and stuff like that so but anyway but uh but <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> um no no it's all good i don't care it's, I really, they, we're, the world's ending it doesn't matter um but 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 him and uh and so i i really i, I respect people with more you know because i i fell into this i this happened to me i fell into psychedelic um zealot you know, like I was a zealot, like I was, I was, I was evangelizing. I was like, everybody has to do this. This is going to change the world for ye- for like a long time, you know? And, and I realized that I was just falling into the trap of putting these things on a pedestal and worshiping them like some new God that's going to make everything okay. Because that is what we want. Like you explain this as how it's so hard to penetrate the minds of people in a culture that have been conditioned to accept a magical pill, uh, you know, a solution, the idea that there's like, there's a good guy and there's a bad guy and we're going to get the bad guys and we're going to, we're going to, you know, this is the new thing. This is the new cure. This is the new diet. Just drink celery juice and microdose and everything's going to be okay. You know, we're going to have drones. They're going to deliver food to our mouths right at our desks. We don't have to, everything's going to be efficient, we're heading to this new future world where everything's going to be perfect, right? But as you mentioned, psychedelics, when you are embarking on a psychedelic uh, journey, if you're ready to enter into this world, it's almost like you're making – you have to make a contract with like or a covenant with the universe, the multiverse, whatever to say, I, I am ready to step into a larger world and I'm ready to take on the responsibility that comes with that. And that is one of the hardest messages to get across to all people that are used to quick fixes, right? I mean, because this is psychedelics. I know lots of people that, you know, are psychedelic people, I guess. I mean, I, I go to tons of shows. There's a great music scene in Denver. People are hit you know, banging deemsters in the front row, just getting high on DMT. And, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're not 
they're not healing necessarily. They're just partying and having fun. And I was doing that. You were doing that. Right. So it's like, you know, you could, I, I took acid and like went to the mall and like <laughs> stole, stole things from Brookstone, you know, like when that, that doesn't sound like these are, these are just tools that can be used in a number of different ways. So that's, I think <laughs> a lot of the things that people have to understand is, is so complex. These are, these are so complex and there's so many sides to them and it's what we bring to it right and what we are trying to get from it and we got to do the work that comes with it yeah no totally i think that i like that contract idea i think that in my the ne- if if my book keeps selling <laughs> and we can print it again i should put a contract as the first page of, like you have to sign like a contract with yourself on like I am making a commitment in the next two years. I'm just going to like do this inner journey work no matter how hard it is. And like it can be fun when you're actually on mushrooms and that's okay. It doesn't always have to be hard. I think the harder days are the days after, right? Sometimes the day after is like a beautiful afterglow. But if I had a really challenging trip, my afterglow is more just like pain. Like, you know, it's like raw. I think I describe it in the book as having like, a foot in both worlds, you can kind of feel like that raw openness of your emotions. And then you're like kind of back in the real world and you're like, I don't, I don't even know. And I just, yeah, I had a little section in the book too on like, uh, what's a normal post psychedelic experience? Cause I think there were all these articles like a year ago that was like, when a lot of the brain scans came out, I think vice had an article that was like, you know, a week after your mushroom trip, your brain is still like making all these connections and you're like a superhuman and all this like crap. And it's like, maybe, maybe some people feel really good for that week, but some people feel really mixed up, I think. And that's not getting talked about enough. Like it can be really confusing. You can have like, like, what if you do real, like when you have these big realizations, like that you're lying to yourself or that you're not happy, like, so hard to to figure out afterwards and i think that like the integration movements are doing a good job of giving people space to figure that out if they do have really big you know downloads and they're like what do i do with this information like it can be depressing i can want to like quit all my i could just want to quit it all like i get the you know sometimes i joke that i'm in the um the the tune out phase of the saying like like I just kind of want to or like I kind of want to drop out sometimes like it can be a lot of pressure being to like a voice of this movement even though I'm not a very like big one but like it can just feel like so much and when sometimes the lessons I get are just like just chill <laughs> it's like well maybe the answer is to just no but after like not to talk too much about the virus but like last week when everything really kicked off and I had to cancel my book tour. Like it was a really big bummer. It's, it's postponed if anyone was trying to come to an event, we'll reschedule in the future, but it felt like so personal and like that the universe was like, no, you can't teach communities how to use mushrooms. It's too dangerous. And, and even though I know it's not, and it's so much bigger than me, uh, it was like just so hard to deal with the disappointment. I'm like only getting back to work today. It's Monday. That was last Wednesday. I've been like raging. I've just been so upset the past four days. I almost canceled this. I'm really glad I did it. I'm having a really good time. But like 
I think now more than ever, what I wanted to say is that it's the most important time right now to remember the lessons that you learned. Uh, you know, like I, I've been learning a lot about how I self-isolate anyway, like regardless of this virus. I'm really introverted and I like to stay home and smoke weed and just like think and read. And that's great, but like I got to get out there and like I realized that I had to like come to Denver and do that event like while I was pretty deep in the medicine in January and I got this text from Travis and I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. And I was so excited and I was like, oh, I'm getting this big lesson that I have to, you know, be more connected to people in the community and I need to go see my people, which are in America. Like I'm not in America right now. I don't live there anymore. And um, I really wanted to come back and see you all and talk to you and and uh, what I'm, I'm seeing now is like that lesson's still there. Like we have to stay connected. Connection is everything and love is everything. And this is going to be a really trying time for all of us. I think it's just starting not to make anyone nervous, but I think it's going to get more isolating in the next few weeks and to just just stick together. And yeah, remember those, those really blissful lessons that you learned. They're going to give you strength uh, this time because... It's really hard and disappointing, and uh, but those things aren't going away. It's not the end of the world. It's just, it's just a really weird time, and <laughs> we still have each other, though, even if we have to stay like four feet apart. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I, I, I feel you there. I really do. A lot of what you said, I, I resonate with a lot. I've experienced, uh, chronic depression and, and I tend to isolate and, you know, and, and sometimes I think about the podcast and what I'm doing and is it, is it like, does it matter? Are people listening? You know, like, is it, am I reaching new people? Like, is this spreading? Like, you know, the, the things that I care about the most are the total ordinary humanness of everyone. You know, just the the fact that we're all the same. We really are. You know, we're all going through the same things, and 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 they're you know varying in scale and difference differences of of how much things are affecting us in our personal lives. But we all have these doubts, and we all have these worries, and we all have these fears, and we all you know want to just stay home sometimes and not socialize with we, we we all feel you know feel these 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 things it's completely normal you know like part of the human experience but we can i have a tendency to, to think that it's like i'm the only one and i'm weird and there's something wrong with me and i can't handle it it's too much and oh i've tried so much and people still aren't getting it i've quit i'm out you know like it's the the the, the despair the loneliness you know that that sort of thing but but really you know I think that the most important thing and most important lesson that I've learned is like pushing myself to go out. And when I go out and I get in community or when I have a good podcast and connect with someone, like I feel like, okay, like, yeah, this is why we're doing it. Like, this is what it's all about. We're here. And, and just the, the, the little simple ways that we can support each other. It might not be just a call, a text, a hello, how you doing? You know, that sort of thing, because it's so, so important. I mean, I remember being, you know, I lived for half of 2018. I was at uh, the temple of the way of light in Peru an ayahuasca center. And I was working there and, and, um, volunteering, working, uh, and, uh, we would have these, you know, big, big ceremonies, you know, 
And just the next day, you know, just sitting around with people and kind of, you know, sharing, we'd have a little integration circle, kind of share our experiences and the things that would come out of that. You just feel this energy, this like connection of just like, it's going to be okay. You know, like we're all here. We're all, we're all here for each other. You know, it's that we don't even have to really do that. You know, we think maybe we have to do something so incredible. And sometimes it's just listening to someone or just like smiling at someone, you know? Yeah. Super important. Yeah. No, I, uh, that's really cool that you volunteered at the temple of the way of light. I, uh, uh I'd love to hear more about that maybe at a different time, but you sure, know, yeah, yeah. volunteering at uh, psychedelic retreats is, uh, you really get to, I think that like retreats get, I don't know, all this weird kind of press right now. And we can talk about that, but I have a little experience in the mushroom retreat world here in Mexico. And man, one lesson that I keep getting and totally like trying to learn and just keep getting it over and over is like, yeah, I'm not the only one, right? Like I'm not the most damaged one in the room. I like, I think when you have depression and anxiety, like I can kind of like walk into a room with a dark cloud over my head, just like expecting no one to understand me and I'm so different and difficult. And and I think a cool thing about psychedelics is that you can see like that the people you're with, like, oh man, we are all the same where they have this whole like dark inner world too that you just don't see all the time because we're all just presenting our best selves on Instagram and all this stuff. And I think the retreat world is cool because you can really like people just really let their guard down. They just are like dedicated. They're like, this is the week that I'm just like present and myself. And I talk about all my pain to these strangers and it's just going to be okay. And I can kind of, and you know, you create the container for that and it's kind of magical and weird and beautiful. And I kind of miss that space right now. Some of my friends, some of the women I work, I volunteered at their retreat. They're all stuck at synthesis right now because you can't fly from Europe back to the US. And I keep thinking about them all there in that medicine space right now and just how crazy powerful it must be. It's like a women's only retreat too. And But wow. yeah, I just wish that everyone could learn that lesson. I think that it's we're such a culture of comparing ourselves to each other. And especially like if you have depression and you're never leveling up to everyone around you, like you see everyone's successes and you're just like, oh, I'll never be there. And you just like, oh, you just keep comparing yourself in a negative way. And I think a cool thing psychedelics can teach you is like that, you know, we're all basically the same and that, you can compare yourself to another person in so much as that you realize that we're actually have the same human experience and that, but you don't have to keep trying to one up the other person. I think that's like a really unhealthy, it's like the way we're raised as kids or something. I don't know. It's like, a, it doesn't have to be that way. Um, yeah. All these lessons, yeah. we just got to keep remembering them this week. <laughs> yeah, no, um, definitely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, cause it's, it's, it's tough. It's going to be tough for everybody, you know? It's, and, and uh, yeah. And, and, and maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe this, maybe there's a big lesson in this experience that's happening right now for the, for the world. You know, I mean, one of the thoughts that I had about uh, the coronavirus is, is how, how quick the governments and everyone were to mobilize to this 
And rightly so, right? I guess it's just, you know, it's a virus, it's spreading. But what about like world hunger? Like, why can't we just mobilize to that? It's not, doesn't seem as important or homelessness or the climate or the loss of biodiversity, cutting down the rain. Where's the collective mobilization, panic, you know, worry? Hold the phone, guys. Holy shit. Do you realize that we're killing the planet? Oh my God. Do you realize how many people are starving and homeless on the street? Where's the mobilization? Where's that? You know, coming from. So I, I think it's very interesting when there's this, you know, kind of uh, particular kind of scenario that requires big government mobilization. You know, you could talk about it with like terrorism, with a flu, with the coronavirus, with this thing. But it's just interesting to see as a civilization, really, like where our values lie and what we're willing to get up in arms about and what we're willing and what we are willing to just like kind of be like normal and let slide. You know, but maybe maybe this will be a learning lesson. I don't know. It must be. It's super weird. It feels like a really weird, surreal time. Like <laughs> it kind of feels like uh, almost lucky that now I have all this free time to stay home and maybe write some kind of like dystopian apocalyptic novel or something. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Like the only thing I can compare it to really is like you know being a teen outside of New York City during nine eleven. It kind of feels like that same sort of weird craziness. Yeah. I don't know what to do with it. I uh, <laughs> I just hope that – I just – isolating people seems like it's like, you know, necessary. But, man, I just hope that we don't like go collectively insane because it's just like what else can happen when all these people are by themselves and stressed out? It's just kind of scary. But I hope everyone just, just keep listening to media like podcasts and <laughs> – yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird time. It's a good I'm time gonna... for a safe psychedelic journeying, maybe too. You know, you're you're at home. Uh, you know, there, there's not a lot to do. You know, you you just uh, maybe, you know, get get your psilocybin mushroom companion and uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Learn how to have a safe uh, safe journey for yourself. Yeah, good time maybe to start going inwards and healing. Maybe we could take advantage of that. Definitely. I know. Yeah. I, yeah. It's like, feels really guilty promoting my book during this time, but it's also available on ebook if you're afraid to order from Amazon. Perfect time. Perfect time. What else are you going to do? You know, listen to my, listen to the podcast, read the book. Like, you know, this is, we're going to, this is the time for, for digital media people to be thriving. Yeah. I keep thinking like I got to get that spore syringe out of my underwear drawer and finally inoculate those jars because, yeah, it's a good time to also start um, germinating some marijuana seeds. It's a good time to start your spring planting. Uh, what yeah. else can we all be doing? I don't know. Take up a new hobby. <laughs> that sounds like a lot. <laughs> yeah. If you if you have a home with, uh, with a yard, maybe look – yeah, look into gardening. Maybe it's a good time to start producing and growing your own food, right? I mean with the panic of people getting all, the, all crazy and raiding the supermarkets, like grow some tomatoes and carrots and plant an apple tree. I mean how, how, I don't know how long that's going to take to grow. But, you know, <laughs> maybe you'll, you'll, your grandkids will have access to it, you know? Uh, no, but, but, Definitely. Empowering, just like this self-empowerment, I think, is a, it's a good lesson to start, you know, yeah. And mushrooms are always trying to teach us that, right? I mean, I feel like every time I go in, they're always like, 
silly girl, what are you coming to me for? It's all inside. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I keep forgetting. I just needed you to remind me I missed you. Hi, how you doing? (laughs) You know, like, but it's true. Like everything we need, we already have. And um, I mean, in a way, maybe not physically. I mean, we have the capability to learn, I guess. It's a, it's a weird time. Uh, But yeah, I know self journeying at home. I, but you know, do you kind of like, get a little worried that it might be a bad time to trip because there's just so much stress and paranoia going on in the world. Like I kind of feel like I might dwell on that and kind of not bug out, but just, I don't know. I feel like I'm actually personally a little uh, reluctant to go into like a full dose right now because I feel like I might just get a little too paranoid about the state of the world. I don't know. I think you got, yeah. That's, I think you got your answer right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's li- literally, I, I always help because people will ask me all the time and I just say like, you really have to, this isn't about, you know, uh, oh, I gotta, I have to trip now because it's the timing or the, <laughs> my, 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 my wife's out of town. So this is the only time I got, it's like, you know, none of that stuff matters. The only thing that matters is your, like, are you mentally prepared? Are you, you're, you know, is your set and setting good. Cause if it's not, it doesn't matter, you know? And I, I, I do not like to go into trips, uh, when I'm not feeling it, I have to be totally called to it and aligned to it. You know, it's not going to work any other way. You know, it's going to be not the most optimal experience. And I want, yeah. I want, I want the optimal experience. I want to get the most that I can out of it, you know? Yeah, it was a tricky thing to write about in the book because I did try to just touch on it a little, just like that there are bad times to trip and how do you figure that out? And, you know, I part of my research was not just like my own experience, but I interviewed like 15, 20 people who just like use mushrooms occasionally, regularly, whatever, to just like get a feel of what the rest of the community also does. Because, you know, it can feel like, oh, everyone does what I do. But then you talk to other people and you're like, oh, actually, but um, no, mushroom people are actually pretty similar. No. <laughs> but one of the things I learned was like, yeah, there's definitely a time. I There are times when you feel too stressed out. I think uh, some of the examples I put in the book were like maybe if a close family member was just diagnosed with a serious illness or there was a death in the family. Sometimes these things, you know, sometimes for some people, that'll be a good time to go in. You'll Maybe you have trouble grieving and that like helps you release. Like I cry all the time, so I don't need the mushrooms to help. But like some people, you know, that might feel really right. And like, there's nothing wrong with that either. But for me, I'm a little more cautious sometimes. And uh, sometimes I just feel too overwhelmed and stressed out by the real world to, or that's the wrong word, but just like what's going on in my world to like start exploring deeper inner journey work. It's like, it's just not the right time. I don't have the time and space to dedicate to that. Uh, and so uh, yeah. I just, yeah, recommend people, right? Always check in with yourself, see what feels good, how you feel, if it feels right, if you feel safe and comfortable. And if you do join this time and it's going to help you feel connected to the rest of the planet, like go for it. <laughs> um but yeah, if you're feeling if you're feeling like your stress level is a little too high right now, that's okay. Don't push yourself either. I think that's uh, totally fine. And uh, there's other yeah, things very, to do. Very good advice. I think don't push 
don't push yourself as good advice because even if people are uh, in a position where they, they're really embarking on a psychedelic healing journey, they might feel the need to like, no, I gotta, I need to heal. Like, I, I feel like I, I've went through something like this. Um, I think there's this author, Carolyn Meese, who calls it woundology. It's Hmm. like sort of like you're getting like addicted to the, the process of continually needing to improve and to heal and to dig and to go deeper and, you know, that whole thing. And it can get, kind of heavy and you can push yourself a little bit further than you might need. And like you said before, sometimes you could even actually trigger some, um, you know, anxiety or suicidal ideation. Like it could actually accelerate that or accentuate that. Right. And that's something that, that needs to be known too. So it's all about sort of, you know, the, like I, I had a, I was like, well, I guess I'm kind of, I guess I'm kind of due for a big dose, you know, it's been a couple months. I think it's about time. It's about that time. So I went and I was, you know, I was holding this bag in my hands of these beautiful mushrooms and I'm like looking at them and I'm just like, and I had this moment and it just kind of, this thing was like communicated to me like, no, 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 no. You you still got a lot of homework to do. Like you didn't, (laughs) you're not ready for the next exam. Like you didn't do all the stuff yet. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I didn't. You know, interesting. So the time, you know, there's a lot of, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so funny. I mean, the mushrooms, like, they're going to, like, oh, I like, they're going to tell you, right, if it's the right or wrong time. You just got to listen. I think it can be hard. It's a really interesting term, woundology. I hadn't heard of it. And now I'm like, oh, I got to go look that up because yeah. it's one of the problems I have with like the current state of psychedelics because it's like, it's like always using it to optimize your life. Like it's this whole like wellness culture that's now just like being applied to psychedelics. And I can kind of hate that because it's like, I kind of feel like that misses the mark a little. Like, yeah, they can be a tool to like improving yourself and that's totally legitimate. But like if it's constantly this like competition with yourself to like be the best version at all times, like, there's no room for failure. And I think one of my big lessons is like, uh, I'm always learning that like, I'm too hard on myself. I'm too much of a, like, I don't even think I'm a perfectionist, but the mushrooms are like, girl, you gotta slow down. Like it's going to be okay. Things are going to get done. Like it's fine. (laughs) And, um, so I think like, yeah, you can use mushrooms to be, to, be happier or be nicer or like whatever you want. But it doesn't always have to like psychedelics don't always have to be about optimizing your life. Like that's tiring. That's that's exhausting way to live. Like just make it about being like just present and nice to people and not reacting really fast and stressed out and I don't know. It's but I mean do whatever you want also. <laughs> like always. Do whatever feels right. But I, I can I can get I could get a little caught like right now that's really heavy this whole like with the goop lab and the 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 oh there's a new wellness psychedelic summit that's probably going to be canceled in May uh, you know and it's all like how do we oh yeah. uh, is that is that the meat meat delic one yeah. yeah I mean it looks cool but it is like a wellness summit specifically and like that's important and cool but I just get a little bit afraid that with all the interest in psychedelics right now, like we're missing the culture. Like wellness is great, but like wellness isn't everything. Like you don't have to drink lime juice and cayenne pepper and hike every day or like whatever. Like you can, 
be lazy sometimes you can like eat processed food too or like you know like you can like drink <laughs> beer oh my god alcohol is like not great but like sometimes it's okay like all these little things and i get yeah. a lot of shit for that but like you know what like, no you should you shouldn't <laughs> why are you getting the the people that are giving you shit for that are the people that aren't as woke as us michelle they're not, they're not they haven't decreased their ego as much as we have you know where where our egos are so much smaller than theirs now <laughs> uh but but yeah it's like you know at the end of the day we're all people like no matter what space you're in if you're Buddhist and you're in the Vipassana meditation space, or if you're in the ayahuasca space or the mushrooms, there's always going to be the same things that human beings are going to be doing in, in those arenas. And, you know, because we live in the kind of culture that we do that commodifies and commercializes and capitalizes and every single little trend and exploits it to its fullest degree and writes clickbait articles to get people's attention. And then people don't even read the article. They just read the headline and then you're at a party and they're like, oh, did you hear this fantastic fungi? It's the cure for uh, depression. And they don't even know what they're talking about. And they're just, you know, reciting buzzwords that they heard, you know, when they're scrolling on Twitter. I mean, this is the kind of culture that we have created, right? And it's this culture, I think, that has been created this way because we have severed our connection to this the sort of the sacred the ritual the ceremony the wisdom the appreciation for the mystery for the slowness of life for the subtlety you know and that's not something that you can easily sell to people in a sexy way hey go and uh take a walk in the park without your headphones on and listen to the birds look at the look at the way that the wind blows the trees you know say hello say hello to somebody and look them in the eyes when you walk past them you know wish someone to have you know these are what you know it's just there's certain people that are going to get it and certain people that are going to try and sell you a thousand dollar wellness summit package to change your life to optimize download my new app sign up for my course you know be the best fly to the moon you know go to my space resort take my space drugs you know whatever's coming you know <laughs> i mean i'll go to space though like <laughs> yeah me too i will too yeah. that sounds pretty cool actually yeah actually a mushroom retreat in space like <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine like uh, yeah. zero gravity on mushrooms? Uh, oh no. my God. Someone's <laughs> going to do that. Someone's going to do that. That's a million dollar idea. Some Silicon Valley nerd listening to this show right now is going to start inventing that. I guarantee it. Well, I mean, press trip, please, please send me. I want to go. No. Yeah, me like too. That, the ultimate <laughs> isolation, we'll just all move to space. We won't get sick there, right? I don't even know. No, it's like a weird, it's a weird thing to to both like integrate this like optimized wellness culture and to kind of fight against like psychedelics are not like they can be about that. And they always sort of have been right. Like, I mean, even healing ceremonies in other cultures are about healing. Right. But yeah. like optimizing yeah. is different. It's more like a supplement. And so you're, you're in uh, Oaxaca, right? Is that where you, or do you live near Oaxaca? Yeah, I actually live in Chiapas. It's the state south of Oaxaca. Oh, oh so. Chiapas. Okay, yeah. Places that I've wanted to go and haven't been. And I know a lot of people actually from my time at the temple who who uh, who worked there, you know, permanently for years. And then they kind of like when they have a break, they go to Chiapas, they go to Oaxaca, they go to places in Mexico. And I've, I've always wanted to go, yeah, yeah. 
Cool. Yeah, no, it's really affordable here. It's like really beautiful. The weather's really nice. And it's just really naturally kind of spiritual. Like it's not like like in Chiapas, there's no like indigenous mushroom ceremonial use that I know of. Like it's that's a Oaxacan thing, but there's just like a lot of you can just kind of feel the magic here. And like the indigenous communities here, they have their own ceremonies that are like so beautiful that you can go watch in Chamula. There's a big church there that's like just it's just so different than anything I experienced growing up. And it's a beautiful like yeah, it's a beautiful place. I can see that, like, that makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> and there's just, like, a lot of sort of spiritual hippie types also around here. <laughs> but I fit yeah, in well, right. so it's fine. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I would lo- I'd love to, I'd love to come down at some point, you know, I, I definitely have an interest. So have you, have you participated in any, uh, um, ceremonial uh, activities, uh, traditional indigenous? I mean, cause this is, uh, I believe it's is it Oaxaca that that is like the home of Maria Sabina and 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 where this the you know yeah and so have you kind of investigated that area and spent some time doing anything and you know not as much as I would like that is kind of like my plan this summer is to go spend a lot more time up in Huatla de Jimenez, Oaxaca, which is where Maria Sabina is from. I have a the um I have a source there the um. Inti Garcia Flores was my source for uh, indigenous ceremonial use in my book. I have a whole chapter on it, and he's a professor up there that I'd love to. A bunch of friends of mine have like stayed at his house, and he's like really nice. And he actually started this. Um, it's like an online museum archive of like Mazatec culture. So the Mazatecs are the indigenous community that continue to use mushroom ceremonially. And um, and in this archive, they have like all these old photos of Maria Sabina, but also all this other cool healing ceremony stuff. They have like all sorts. The Mazatec have like a lot more than just mushroom ceremonies. It's like mushrooms are kind of revered as like one of the highest forms of ceremony. And you probably wouldn't like go straight to the mushrooms if you were sick in that community. Like there's all these other traditions that you would probably go through first. Like you can have your corn read by an oracle and there's like other ceremonies. And so my experience, I haven't, um, I didn't have time when I was writing the book to go explore too much. I really wanted to, I was on a really crazy tight deadline. But I worked at a retreat in Oaxaca just like two months ago or less um, that is run by a friend of mine. It's called Lusa Turner Retreats. And we had a Mazatec Corandera come join us as one of like the medicine women um, as part of our circle. So I did get to learn a lot from her who happened, of course, to be the aunt of my source for the book. I was like, whoa, oh, small wow. world. It, yeah. Um, and she was really cool. And she um, not only like uh, performed, so one of the three ceremonies at the retreat was her ceremony. And so we did a more traditional Mazatec velada, which is pretty different, I think, compared to how Westerners use mushrooms. Like, you're really encouraged to sit up, keep your eyes open and like focus on the altar and stay focused and alert. And she like prays for you and it's like kind of intense. And uh, I look forward to going to Wautla and learning more and um, doing it in the more traditional style, which is like inside someone's house. We did it outside and 
honestly, the Corandera was kind of disappointed with some of her work. She just kind of felt like maybe it shouldn't have left the mountain. Like maybe those teachings were meant to stay in the mountains. We were down at the coast. It's very um, interesting how just the whole vibe of the mushrooms and their spirit and how it works. It can be on or off. It's kind of beyond my comprehension and explanation to explain like when a ceremony doesn't feel like ceremony. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, just learning. I, I am learning a, a bit about the the indigenous use. It's fascinating um, the way the rituals and traditions they go through, like even before the ceremony to like keep the mushroom spirit pure uh, is like, a really um, big part and they used to like only send children with a corandera to pick the mushrooms off the mountain because they had like pure spirit but anyone who had had like sexual intercourse so like even anyone like above like a certain age like you that then you're no longer pure like you shouldn't touch the mushroom because you will like infect it with your energy and it's all really interesting and um there's so much wisdom there on just like how subtle and emotional and like kind of energy and vibe sort of sensitive mushrooms are that I think Westerners could really learn from. And I, that's why I included a chapter in my book. I thought that, you know, there was just, there's a lot there to dig into. I think a lot more than we even know. I think we have this very, we have like this one story of Gordon Watson in the fifties, going and doing a ceremony with Maria Sabina and that kind of like sort of being like the end of this story. And I really feel like it's not, not even the beginning. It's like some weird little part of this huge um, story. So I'm really looking forward to going and spending more time up there and learning more. And um, uh, I really hope that my travel plans this summer aren't thwarted by this virus, but hopefully things clear up. But the last thing I want to do is go to an indigenous community and like get everybody sick. So right. Yeah. Oh my right. God. Yeah. Um, they just, you know, their medical care is not as strong for indigenous communities. Like, you know, we hear about in America there's not a lot of these test kits. Well, in Mexico, I mean they there's test kits, but I imagine that, you know, certain communities are going to be the last to get them. And so we just really have to be looking out for each other this time. Yeah. But there's a, yeah, it's the indigenous mushroom use is it's magical. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect word. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, I really love uh, and respect the indigenous uh, cultures that practice the, their rituals and ceremonies and have their, their mythology and cosmology and, you know, their sort of, you know, um, space that they've carved out in, in their history and lineage, you know, and the ancestors and the spirit and the, all these things that I think is really lost in America. I mean, you know, our, our, the founding of this country, you know, the people that came over here fucking slaughtered the indigenous population, treated them like garbage. And, you know, we lost a lot of that stuff. And, um, honestly, I mean, I'm a big believer in, in, in trying to bring that back as much as we possibly can. There's, 
and when where I stand on it is 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 like it's not I don't want to get into these like debates of like is it real or is it not real like are there really spirits are there really animal spirit like all this stuff and it's to me I'm a huge fan of Joseph Campbell and comparative mythology and and stuff like that and I just think that it's like whatever we kind of want to make it you know like I think we we're in a really interesting time right now where we can learn from all aspects of ritual use and practice and ceremony and then also look at like what we're doing in the west and the kind of the wellness and the optimization and that stuff and try and really put it into a a way that it works for us and 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 I'm also just a fan of stories like and storytelling and like yeah like I like the animistic worldview you know of the native american people and you know that that everything has a spirit and everything has a life to it like that just appeals to me you know, maybe some people will say that that's not true or they don't see things that way or they want more of a scientific understanding. But the scientific story to me is the same story as the animistic story. It's just kind of more boring to me. That's, <laughs> that's, that's how I feel about it. But yeah, where do you what, what do you think? Yeah, no, that's interesting. Like, I think that um, that I agree that it like what's real like who's ever like that's been the the human question for all time right like is god real or are the spirits real like that's so one of the lessons i've gotten on one of my like powerful mushroom journeys in the last year is that why is the wrong question so i feel like like is this real it's kind of like the wrong question like how does it make you feel you know i think that's a better question. And I think whatever helps you. So what I'm really into right now is like, I think that the people who make their own ceremonies are really cool. Like, I think that really helps. And it doesn't have to be like, you don't have to fly to Oaxaca and go work with a corandero. That may appeal to you. And if it does, like, that's maybe an option. Not right now, but in the future. (laughs) But like, I think that the people who are building altars at home, who are making their own ceremonies at home with their friends and their community are like doing really good work. Like I kind of, I think that some people uh, complain about that as like cultural appropriation. And I think that there's a line there and, but I don't think these people are crossing it. I think that they are um, like, like altar building, for instance, like there's a lot of like non-Latino mushroom people building altars in their home. And like, I think that's okay. Like, even if you didn't grow up building an altar in your home as part of your family tradition, like if it speaks to you, if it makes you feel good to go pray there, or it helps to center you or to ground you during a journey or just in real life, like, I think that it's a beautiful spiritual practice and it's for everybody. And I think, um, Yeah, I'm really getting into ceremony. I was not a ceremony person. I was like a take mushrooms camping with my friends person. And I'm both now. I think they both have value. And I'm trying to incorporate just more ritual into my own mushroom use. Like I don't have to do a big ceremony. I like going and joining communities on their ceremonies. Like uh, in this retreat world, I am a little bit a part of. It's very ceremonial based. And I been really learning through my teachers there and really appreciating it. And I didn't like see the value until pretty recently how 
it's the ceremony that holds the space for you when you're in a really strong psychedelic journey. It's not really the individual people that are there. Like they'll help, especially if something goes down, you need a bucket to throw up in or something like they're there for you. But I think what can be missing when people do strong journey work, uh, without context is the container that holds you and you are like marking this event as significant and as something that you, you know, want to remember and learn from. And I think that helps you process it later. I think it helps you stay grounded when you're in it and accept all the experiences that come, no matter how like crazy or dark or, or blissful and great they are. Like, it's the ceremony that holds the, that space and allows you to go through that. And I'm really learning about that. Um, when I, when I volunteered at a retreat, I really see that work in action for other people that like other people that you are judging or not understanding. And then you see them go through this beautiful human experience and you're like, God, I was such an idiot for judging anybody. Like they're just, they're just so purely them as they, throw up into this bucket right now. Like, or I don't know, you know, as I hold your hand and walk you to the bathroom, like you're just such a beautiful human. I don't know. I'm really enjoying, um, I'm very new in this world, but like the trip sitting, you know, volunteer at a retreat world is it's really beautiful. And I think you can really learn a lot there. And um, I'm really glad that I'm opening myself up to that world because it can be hard. I can be really closed off and I can feel like unworthy, I'm not a therapist, like who am I to trip sit or something? But, you know, it's not really like I'm not there to solve anyone's problems or help them figure things out through like an analytical lens. Like I'm just there to hold their hand and and just just be there while they and the mushrooms figure it out. And it's this like crazy, beautiful learning experience for everyone involved. Um, I can only do it a few times a year because it's like – so intense and energy draining, but in this like beautiful, I'm like exhausted in this like beautiful way where like, I don't have time to like stress out and worry. I'm just like so fully present and tired. And it's like a, it's a beautiful thing. If you people get a chance to do it. I think one thing that people don't realize about the ayahuasca ceremony world is that you can go and volunteer at these retreats if you don't have the money to go and be a participant and you still get to drink the medicine a few times. You have to work pretty hard and still fly yourself out there, but then you have your food and accommodation covered and you can just go be in it for a while. And that really appeals to me. I'm trying to do that sometime soon in the ayahuasca world to really learn about that more because I'm I'm more of a mushroom person for now, <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, I, I've, uh, yeah, I, I love I love the retreat, the place where I was, and the people there, and the community building, and you know, some of my favorite times were just sitting around the like dinner table or the lunch table or the breakfast table, and just you know, laughing and connecting with people, and um, you know, you really have this, you really have this this space and this time that's just this is what we're doing. We're drinking ayahuasca, we're eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we're gathering around and maybe some people are playing music and some people are playing chess or checkers, but there's no technology, there's no 
electricity. That's where I was. And it's just uh, getting it back to basics. And it's and there's a singular kind of point of focus. Most people that were there, you know, the place where I went to, the temple, is very adamant about it being a healing place, you know, because there are other retreat centers that you could go and you can, you know, zip line and, you know, whatever. I don't know. You know, do, you know, lift weights and stuff. And, <laughs> you know, that, but that's, I, Pick that place because of their intention for healing and because of their, you know, their their safety and integrity. And so everybody was there with this one kind of single point of, of focus, which was to heal and 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 to unravel the toxic stories and the trauma and the baggage and you know put it all out in this like spiritual laundromat and cleanse and clean and put the cycles on. And when that starts to emerge and that starts to come out, people get vulnerable and they get real and the, you know, it's unlike anything, you know, ever. And, and I, I wish that that could come more, put that into our you know society more where people are really kind of opening up and, and living in that way. And maybe, maybe it will, maybe it will happen, but you know, you're right. Like I would look at like these, I think there was like maybe there's a common misconception too a lot in the world where you think people that are into psychedelics or whatever are just these like dreadlock people that like to listen to like you know trance music and whatever you know and yeah there's people like that but at the ayahuasca retreat center that I was at I would continuously see you know mothers grandmothers um, just people that were. I mean, I don't. I, okay, what do I call them? I don't know, normies or whatever. You know, just like normal, just regular folks, not drug people, not psychedelic people, just people who heard about this. And I would sit there in ceremony, and I would, I would watch, you know, this like seven seventy year old woman, you know, who the day before was telling the group about why she's here and her daughters and her marriages and ex-husbands and the trauma and the past. And, oh, I just really, you know, and I would watch as she would approach the, the, the Shipibo, um, the Ayahuascaro put, put it, pouring the medicine, giving it to her and her taking it and taking a breath and, and about to drink and being like, my God, like the courage in this, in this person so inspiring that you're it's like being at, at war you know and we're all in this group together except we're not fighting an external enemy we're not killing people it's we're going internal it's amazing it's amazing so yeah i'm right there with you on that and i'm also right there with you too on the in you know for people that that don't have it so you know, that aren't like, you know, that maybe are a little bit more healed or a little bit more further along in their process or whatever it is, or just, just kind of, um, you know, I think Bob Jesse was the guy that said like psychedelics is also good for the betterment of the well, you know, like the people that aren't suffering as much like, yeah, take some mushrooms, you know, and go camping, like have fun with your friends. Maybe if you're at a show, like do it responsibly, do it smart, do it with intention, but have fun. Like these things can be enjoyable things too, right? So, and the, and those experiences can be healing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I wanted to make sure I got that in that this can be fun too. And like, it's totally legit to do it for fun. And I think that that's how I learned that this can be healing at all was when I was taking it for fun and I had all these insights and I felt deeply connected to my friends and myself for like the first time in my life. And it was so powerful and positive and 
there's value in that. We can't take that away. Like doing it spontaneously or in a party situation maybe is not the safest sometimes, but like give your set and setting a little consideration and your dose and everything. Get get the safety basics right and yeah, maybe go camping. Maybe rent a Airbnb with a big backyard that you can go put your hands in the grass, put your face in it. Like it feels so good. <laughs> go talk to a tree. Like they really miss you. They need you to talk to them. <laughs> yeah. So like I think, yeah, and like there's so many legitimate uses. And I think that I, I wanted to say that before when we were talking about kind of this, you know, how wellness is a legitimate use, but it's not the only use. And I think that fun, enjoying music on a new level, art, whatever it is, like, you know, take a smaller dose than you would for a big personal journey at home. But like, yeah, you can you can still do that. And and the connection you feel with other people is so important. And, um, and to yourself, I think we're so disconnected from ourselves. We live in like a state of disassociation. Like even if we don't have PTSD and are like, think we disassociate, like I'm just realizing that like just the Western society is so just the way that we are has to, we have to put so much like distance between you know, who we really are, who we are at work, how we make money, how we take care of our families, how we take care of ourselves. It's like so compartmentalized. And I think that psychedelics can really show you that like, no, it's it's all part of the same big, beautiful journey that we're all on together. Like you're not like, yeah, maybe you're more stressed for money than your neighbor, but like you're not that much different. Like, you know, we all are struggling. Some of us sure more than others, but we're all struggling and we all, we all need to be reconnected. And, um, yeah, I think just the way it shows you the world differently, yourself, your choices, it's a really important experience for everyone to have. And whether that's ayahuasca or mushrooms, you just have to be ready and open to it. Um, and you have to want to have it. I, uh, I'm not one of these people who are like, oh, we should go dose Donald Trump and save the world. Like that's not probably going to fix anything. It, it, it probably wouldn't even change him. He would just be like, oh my God, I totally had the greatest experience. You know, like he would, he would be like, I take, oh, I could take the biggest doses. You know, <laughs> His ego would just be inflated even more. Like, you know, it's, it's, that's the other thing is like, like these, these are tools and you have to use them with intention and they're not, they're not necessarily going. Yeah. That I hear that too. Like, and I, I was even like that. Let's put LSD in the water supply, you know, like it's not going to, can't do that. You know, and there's also, that also brings up consent too, which is largely important. Super, super important. Yeah, no, I mean, we were all like that. I think when we first started getting into psychedelics again or like whatever, like for me, it was again, it was like, I, I wrote this piece, it was public and it was only like a year ago and I'm like a little embarrassed about it. And it was, could psychedelics cure toxic masculinity? Like might, they might still, I might still be on that <laughs> train, but like, you know, it's just not that easy. It's not like just give every man in America psychedelics and we'll have equal pay. Like, it's just not going to happen like that. Like, it, it is this beautiful thing where it can open you up to something kind of like bigger than you and yet just you at the same time. Like, I think that I go th- – a lot of my journeys can be like how I react to other people and interact with other people and 
you know, really reflecting on that. But it can be really tiring if you're the only person reflecting on all that and and no one else is. And you're like trying to be the best version of yourself all the time and make everyone so comfortable if no one else is meeting you halfway. Like that's also not going to be healthy. And yeah, it's complicated, but. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you, you brought up, uh, you know, like what, how we do things in the West and in America and in this sort of, you know, in this way. So you've been living in Mexico now for how long? Over five years. So, yeah, like we, we talk to me a little bit about like being out. Cause I remember, you know, being outside the country and then coming back, even though I've, I've only lived outside the country for maximum six months, but even that period of time, I remember coming back from Peru and being in like Miami international airport and just being like, this is nuts. I mean, all granted also I was coming from drinking ayahuasca every week in the jungle. <laughs> But it was very intense and it's very crazed and neurotic and that's how I felt. And I mean, I guess I've always kind of felt that way about about America. So <laughs> what's changed? What's shifted for you in your perception of, of America or if we want to call it the West, whatever, you know? Oh, it's hard because it like it's been evolving so much over the past few years and it keeps changing. But like reverse culture shock is so real. I get that really hard now. If we were in Denver right now and it was like my third day in America for like four months, I would have such a better answer for you because I'd be like, oh, man, it's just so weird how we do everything here. But it can be hard for me when I'm not there to like remember the differences and stuff. But and I'm also kind of an outsider to Mexican culture. Like I'm not Mexican, um, but I have been living here and I have some really close friends who, you know, are from here, are Mexican. Uh, and I think that there are some really interesting cultural differences. Like, like America is really disconnected and um, we're very individualistic. It's the American dream, right? It's like, oh, like – we're so like motivated and to just like always be like rising the social ladder. And I think that even in like other Western countries, that's like kind of an American attitude. Like my partner's from England and he's like a little bit more, a little, has a little bit less of that mentality. It's still very much an English culture thing, but just like a little bit more of like just being happy with what you have rather than always trying to get more. And I think that here in Mexico, like family is so important. Like, yeah, family is important in America, but it's like family's everything here. And it's really beautiful. And that's like what really keeps people together. And they say that like Guatemala is like the happiest place on the planet or something when you do these like indexes, even though it's like one of the poorest in Central America. But it's like, it's more about not valuing like, all these physical things that we can have. Like if we have food like and shelter and clothes and water, like that's enough. And then we have family and we have love and we have parties every Sunday and and we have this this close intergenerational bonds. Like those things are valued a lot higher, I think. But I mean, like I said, I'm sure there's plenty of American families that are really tight and like that's not always the case. But I just know like, for instance, like with young people, it's like when you're like 18 in America, it's like, I got to move out of my parents' house and start my own life and I just need freedom. And 
And here it's like really normal to keep living as a family into your 20s, into your 30s. It's not like a big stigmatized deal that you're like a 30-year-old that lives with their parents. It's like, fine, you help them. You all help each other. You're part of like a unit that's like everyone has a job to do to keep each other safe and fed and I mean that it, it exists everywhere, but it is just a little more of a core cultural thing here, and that like extends to medicine ceremonies. Like the indigenous way to take mushrooms is to do it as a whole family. Uh, you do it together. Like if your mom is sick and you're going for a healing ceremony, like mom takes some mushrooms, but the whole family goes. Dad takes some mushrooms. Brothers and sisters, your aunts and uncles, their sisters. Everyone might come in the Corandera. The Corandera might bring some of her family. Like you're just, that's uh, that's a big yeah. difference for me. I mean, and I have a tight family. You know, we're close. I'm a first generation American on one side. So it's like there is a bit of a cultural difference there. But I don't know. It's, um, yeah, yeah so it's, it's, it's really different here. It's beautiful. I love it. It's keeping me alive. Like I do struggle with a lot of depression and this is part of my answer moving down here um, is, you know, keeps me motivated and happy and just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It almost brought a tear to my eye when you're talking about the whole family healing together. I mean, because it, it is, you know, there's a large, you know, the, the divorce rates are so high and the, you know, yeah, the kids want to get out of the house and it's your know, mom against dad and dad against mom and dad against the kids and the kids against mom. And it's like, you know, individualistic and get on the rat race wheel and earn a living and make something for of yourself and achieve, achieve, achieve. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I've been to a lot of countries where you see it's like, you know, the whole family and the and the extended family and they live together and maybe, you know, they work together and they have a little family business and they're happy because they have each other and they have their basic needs met. And, you know, that's that's I think that is an important lesson for me that the psychedelic experience kind of like woke me up to because, you know, prior to that, I was kind of like a broy douche guy. And like, you know, I just, I wasn't really, I was just like, you know, I, I was, I was just, I want to make a lot of money. Like, I don't care. I want to, you know, I want to be famous or whatever. And, you know, but now I, I, I just, you know, or since I've been really on my, my, my spiritual healing journey has been unfolding and it's really comes down to these really simple, basic things, you know, and it's a beautiful thing and the healing together. It's a beautiful thing. Oh my God. I could only imagine how many people, that I know could benefit myself included from the whole family coming together and healing together. My God. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really beautiful thing. And, and that's, that's really what I'm interested in the most is like, how can we make a more beautiful world? Like I want, I want a more beautiful world. Uh, and, and I believe that psychedelics can play a part in, in that and, you know, ceremonial and, and, you know, all the different ways. Um, yeah, I, there's something else that I wanted to say um, about that. Um, oh, right. What I was going to say was sometimes I feel like maybe I should move out of the country. You know, like I sometimes I feel like the pressure really to conform, to produce. I mean, I'm a podcaster. Like I'm not raking it in. You know, it's not like it's, it's, it's not bad. It's okay. 
you know, I do a couple other things too on the side, but it is tough to live in, in, in the pressure. I mean, I used to live in New York city. I, I grew up in the suburbs of New York city and I moved to the city after college and I lived there for eight years. Yeah. And it just became, you know, too much, you know, now I'm in Denver, but even here, I mean, yeah, I, I, I look at like, well, maybe, maybe I'll move to Chiang Mai or maybe I'll move to Cusco or, you know, something like that. And, you know, Costa Rica, I spent some time there as a beautiful country as well. So I think about that because the the pressure to really produce and to conform to the kind of machine like, you know, way of, 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 uh, of being a productive citizen is kind of tough. I mean, it's tough to break even when you leave. I still do it to myself. Like I don't even fully have to. Like I do have to make money and everything, but it's a lot less than if I lived in New York like I used to. And But, you know, it's the culture that I still live in, like media culture specifically. Like I work for American media outlets and they're just like, wait, you don't work 18 hours a day? You don't work on Sundays? Like, what's wrong with you? And I'm just like, girl, I start off at six o'clock. If you're emailing me after, like, I'm not checking. I'm spending time with my loved ones. I'm making dinner. I'm just trying to like be a human. But media is hard. Media, there's no room for being human in media. Like, it's kind of crazy. Like, But if you can like, yeah, you really have to, I try. Like I- uh, I'm actually, so like in my mind, it was like after the book tour, I'm going to like take a lot of time and just like read more and take more walks. And, and now that I'm stuck at home, I guess this is my gift from the universe. Like I have that time to just slow down and I'm really trying to use it, take advantage of it and slow down and breathe and meditate and all these things that I'm like, oh, there's no time. I have a deadline. Like, blah. (laughs) (laughs) And so, but yeah, even if you leave, like it can be hard to break out of that. I'm trying slowly and everyone's making it really hard. So stop giving me commissions. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And let me just sleep all day. No, that's not what I'm (laughs) saying. But um. No, I get what you're saying. What you're saying is like you want you want you want to do the do your thing. You're passionate about it, but you also want to be a human being that 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 you. I mean, because otherwise, what's the point of being alive if we if we stress ourselves out so to the point of exhaustion, where we're working and we're anxious and we're going crazy and we're judging and we're you know f- flipping out? It's like that's not the kind of life. You know, quality of life is is the most important thing. I know. It's it's hard to remember. Yeah, yeah. It's like – and yeah, money. I mean money makes it so hard to slow down, right? Because most of us can't. We have to keep making money and it's all about finding a balance. I keep saying this on so like just half believing it, but it really is, I swear. Keep saying it. Yeah, keep saying it. <laughs> I will believe it eventually. Yeah. But you should. I think every American should, even though like it's not doable for everyone. But if you can get out of the U.S. for a little while, I think it'll be good for everyone. I know it's like not possible for everybody, but if you work remotely, you should do it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's in the cards of my future for sure. I mean, shit. Maybe right now. I don't know. I'll take my chances. There's like sixty-five. I think it's like sixty-five dollars right now to fly to Hawaii or something. But. I don't know. I don't want to, you know, I mean, we're, who the hell knows what's going to happen. I heard that like the whole country is going to be locked down on quarantine, like pretty soon. Like, I, I don't know what's going to happen, what's going to unfold. All I know is I'm going to start, I'm going to start scheduling lots of podcasts with people. Cause 
uh, what else, you know, and, 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 you know, finding time to meditate, but Michelle, this, this has been, this has been great. I, I feel like I, I really got to know you well, and, and this has been just a great conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed it so much. Um, is there anything else that you want to kind of communicate to the world, to, to the world, to the, you know, 6,000 people that listen to this show? Hey, uh, 6,000 is a lot. No, just thank you so much for having me. This has been super fun. I just hope everyone just stays sane and safe and, you know, keep reading about psychedelics. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And hopefully you'll be able to make it to Denver and we'll get to hang out in person and, and, uh, get to explore all the cool psychedelic culture here. That's the plan. I can't wait. As soon as everything gets back to normal, I'm definitely going to reschedule and like add more events and go on a little mushroom book tour all over the U S so everyone stay tuned in and just, yeah, stay home for now. <laughs> yeah. And, and where can people go to, uh, to find you, to follow you, to keep up with your writing, to, to get your book, where's where are good places to go. Yeah, I try to keep my website updated. It's michellejanikian.com. I'm also on Instagram at michellejanikian. Uh, no, michelle.janikian. And Twitter at mushian. And yeah, yeah, mostly Instagram I try to keep uh, updated. So you can find all my work and stuff on there. Cool. And people can buy the book off your website? Um, there's links to it on the website, but it's on all the major, it's on Amazon, Powell's, Barnes and Noble. You can order it at your local bookstore through IndieBound. It's on all the, all the things. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. I'll make sure to put those links in the, uh, in the show notes so people can get it. I highly recommend it. It's great. I mean, everybody should have it on their bookshelf. If you're listening to this show, you should have it on your bookshelf. And it's a great book to hand to people who, you know, are curious and want to start exploring more about uh, psilocybin mushrooms. Great. Great, great job. Really appreciated, uh, you know, reading it. And I, I loved how honest you were too in it. You know, like I, it's, it was like great to, it was so great to read that first, uh, the opening and being like, oh yeah, I was there. I did that. And she's talking about it. And now, you know, so it's so, it's so great. So oh, thank you so much. Yeah. So good to hear. No, thank you. I really, if you're relating to it, let me know. I love hearing it from readers. It's amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> awesome. Well, I hope you, uh, you know, get through this current time and crisis wishing you all the best strength courage bravery calmness peace all the good things you too you too and to everyone out there thank you so much <laughs> all right yeah stay in touch i'll talk to you soon hey i hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as i did if you did go and leave a five-star rating on apple Podcasts. You can leave a five-star rating and a review if you feel like writing something. Uh, that would be great. It helps the show a lot. helps us bump us up in the uh, Apple algorithm, get the podcast exposed to more people. So if you like the show, go ahead and do that. If you want to go a step further, go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank. You can donate, become a patron, be a part of the Mikeadelic Inner Sanctum WhatsApp chat group of people chatting and connecting all around the world. We're finding the others, bringing them together, creating community one of my favorite things to offer. I also release bonus episodes. Sometimes I do episodes that are kind of raw and kind of beta test them for the producers of the show, which are my patrons, the people who support the show. Big shout out to everybody that's a patron. Thank you for your love and support. If you want to do a one-time donation, go to my website, mikebrank.com. Go to PayPal and do a one-time donation if you feel that. And uh, I really like the method of donation. 
It's a, it's a gifting mentality. And reading Charles Eisenstein's books recently and his talks have really kind of made me embrace the spirit of the gift, of giving and gifting. And what better time than this holiday season to be generous and to give. And, you know, if you like the show, just tell, tell people about it, spread it, share it. Also, contact me. Go to my email uh, on my website, the contact page, mikebrank.com. Reach me on Instagram, mikeadelic underscore podcast. Hit me up on Facebook. Send me your messages. Send me your thoughts. Send me guest suggestions, ideas. Share your story with me. Reach out. Give me feedback. What do you like? What don't you like? And uh, I love to hear from people. I always respond. So uh, you can go ahead and do that. If you're interested in CBD, we have Hemp Bombs as a sponsor. You can go to hempbombs.com, get all kinds of CBD stuff. And um, I used to take their their gummies. I think I'm going to start taking them again. I ran out, so I got to get some more. But uh, they're really good. And um, yeah, check it out. If you're interested in CBD, you want to give it a try, put in the code MIKE15 at checkout and get 15% off all of your CBD wants, desires, needs, and so forth. Big shout out to Danny Barnett and Galaxia for the music, the intro and the outro. And uh, of course, thanks to Muse, who uh, I mash up their song and put the Terrence McKenna clips and everything in without their permission, but somehow I'm still able to do it. So thanks, because I love that. And uh, what else? I don't know. Thank you so much to everybody for your love and support, for listening. And yeah, I really, uh, really, 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 from the bottom of my heart, really can't express how grateful I am that out of all the podcasts out there that you choose this one to listen to. And uh, yeah, uh, like I said, let's really make this a collaborative effort. If there's something that you hear, that you notice, you know, something going on with the show that you're like, hey, you used to do this or you do that, or I'd like to see this, or hey, did you ever think about that? Shoot me a message. I'm open. I communicate. I message back. I like this to be a collaborative effort. I want more community involved in this. So anyway, thanks. And uh, till next time, peace.